20. In those days, we read from the scriptures, in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. He went to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, their time, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angel went away... I should read that correctly. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Lord Jesus, thank you again for this wonderful, wonderful story recorded in Scripture. Thank you this morning that it is our, my privilege to share this story and that it is our privilege to hear this story once again. I pray, God, though the story be familiar, though we've celebrated Christmases, maybe we've only had a couple of them because we're a little child and we're so excited about all the wonder and all the joy and all the newness and all the, the things that, that happen that are special at Christmas time. Or maybe we've had lots of Christmases. Hopefully the wonder hasn't left us. Hopefully the joy hasn't left us. May this morning, God, through your Holy Spirit and the grace in which we stand this morning on this day, on December 24th in 2023, may we again be afresh and anew astounded at the beauty of what you did. For you, God, came to earth. You came to make a way. You made a way where there was no way. And you did what we could not do so that the entire destiny, if I can use that word, the entire end result of our life might be different. For which we praise you and invite you to speak into our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. This text this morning, this message this morning, which I've entitled Jesus is Savior, is, as I said, the wrapping together of this, this series, The Advent of Christ. What does it mean that Jesus came to be with us? 
Jesus came to be with us. And, and we've actually been touching on this theme of Jesus being the Savior all the way through as we come. Now, I've chosen to focus on a few verses each time because we don't have time to do the entire text. Even this morning, there's lots of verses I could come and, and, and bring to life out of the text and say, these are such wonderful words for you to treasure at Christmas time. I, we don't have time for that, so we'll just have to settle with a few verses that we've been given. But, but we've been walking through as we look at the, what I would call the angelic encounters in Scripture. Uh, that, that we, we looked at, at in, the, in the Gospel of Matthew, and the angel came to Matthew, or to Joseph, sorry, not to Matthew, to Joseph, it's recorded in Matthew. He came to Joseph and said, your, your wife whom you're wanting to quietly divorce, you shouldn't do that, for God is at work here. And then he said this line right here, she will bear a son and you shall call call his name Jesus. Why? Or what, what else does he give? What other clue does he give? For he will save his people from their sins. Now we chose on that Sunday, four weeks ago now, to look at that, that when Jesus came, it was Emmanuel. That's later in that text in Matthew chapter 1. He was Emmanuel, which meant God with us. And we spend our entire time talking about that. However, the truth is, already very early on, uh, the angel announced that Jesus was going to come to be the Savior. He will come to save people, his people, from their sins. Now, the second week in this series, we talked about Jesus being the light, and we focused on the angelic encounter that Zechariah had, he being the father of John the Baptist. The angelic encounter and this, 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 this grand moment where he saw and he heard, but then he could no longer talk about it, right? Because he didn't believe, and so he couldn't talk about the fact that his wife was going to have a baby. Who, those, uh, the woman that everybody said, and they themselves said, that you won't get a chance. To, never, it, the, the moment has passed, right? It's too late. She's too old. She's too barren. But he's going to have a baby. And the significance of that birth. But he couldn't talk about it until the baby was born. He said his name will be John. And then his mouth opened, and we focus on some later verses in that text. But you know at the very beginning of that, this is what he said. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation. That word horn is strength. A strength that means indicate strength. A strength of salvation, a strong salvation for us in the house of his servant David. You see, the, the, the crumbs have been dropping all the way through. Though we have not chosen to focus on them, the crumbs have been dropping all the way through. Jesus came to be God with us. Jesus came to bring light into darkness. Jesus, when he came, we, we, we talked about this last week, had no choice but to be still Lord and King. That was last week. Jesus is Lord. For when God comes to be with us, he doesn't stop being God. He's still God. But this week, this week we get to hone in on and sit with and relish and delight in and soak in whatever other phrase or word or descriptive thing I could come up with. Jesus is our Savior. He came to save us. He came to set us free. He came to buy us back. <laughs> you can't talk about Christmas and not talk about this. What did the angels say? These shepherds gathered outside in the dark, and I don't know what they were doing, doing, dozing off, watching their sheep, taking turns. I have no idea what they were doing. And suddenly this bright light shines, and the glory of God shines around them, and they're afraid. And he says, no, 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 no. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. Why? 
For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Look, one little short sentence in the pages of a Bible that's this thick. Now, yours might not be that thick, but in a Bible that has all these words, one little short sentence, and it's the sentence that changes everything for you and I. Look at everything that's in this verse, this, this little sentence. Today has been born a day. Oh, sorry, today and this day has been born to you in the city of David a Savior. A Savior. The long-awaited one who has come to set us free. A Savior has been born. But look, it's not the end. He is Christ, the Lord. You see all those titles, all those things we've been talking about the whole way through, all in one little sentence that the angel announces to these shepherds that no one knows who they are, no one knows their name, no one knows where they came from, no one knows where they went after this. Jesus Christ, the Lord. Jesus the Messiah, the anointed one, the light of the world, the Lord, the King of kings, has come to be a savior. Tell me, tell me honestly, tell me sincerely, tell me in the moments when you're willing to truly, truly put everything else aside and let your mind dwell on that. Tell me, how do you reconcile so great a God who is all-powerful and speaks things into existence and holds them all together and is the glory of, of the, the most glorious you could ever even imagine, far more glorious than you could ever even imagine. Tell me, how do you reconcile him coming and humbling himself and being born in the quiet night in a dirty stable of all places and he came to save his people? What do you do with that? How do you handle that? How do you put that together? How do you not blow to smithereens when you think of the beauty of the story of Christmas, that Jesus is our Savior? Did we need a Savior? Amen. Why was it that God had to come when he came to be with us, not as a conquering king, but he came to be a Savior? Why was that true? Well, let me take you on a trip down the pages of scripture and help us reconcile or to help us to see or help us to put in place. Now I could find verses everywhere, but we often talk about the Romans road and this is not going to be your typical Romans road, but the truth is coming out of the book of Romans, which is an incredible book that God has given us. Romans chapter two, verse 12, Paul writes these words, for all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law and all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. Now, there may be some confusing language and there are some, some phrases stacked up that mean some weird things to us or we kind of have to put together. But the gist of that is there's a totality there, right? All who have sinned outside the law will perish, will die outside the law. And all those who have sinned under the law will, be, will perish and be judged by the law. Just a little quick question. Who does that not include? Who does that not include? Like who's not either outside the law or under the law? Which one of us is exempt from this verse? Which one of us gets to step outside and say, well, that's not me. I'm either under the law or outside the law. Well, you know the answer to that question, right? So tell me, which one? Who of us is exempt? No one. Which interestingly is exactly the phrase Paul uses in the next chapter. None is righteous. No one. No one. Though you may try really hard, 
Though you, you may have done a lot of good things. Though you may have the right pedigree. But honestly, for most of us, we don't. Though you may have put on a good front. Though you may be doing even now everything you possibly can do. There's no one that's righteous. Not one. Which leaves us in quite a quandary, right? Leaves us in quite a dilemma. Leaves us with quite a problem. Because if you will die outside the law, or you will die under the law, and not a single one of us is exempt from that, then we have a big problem, don't we? Unrighteousness seems to have won the day, if that's the story. Paul goes on to say in Romans chapter 3, I'm going to read now just a couple verses. I'll have the last part of it up here on the screen, but I want to read one verse before that. Romans chapter 3, verse 21. But now, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested or has been made clear or has appeared or has, has come to the forefront, has made its appearance. The righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. And then he says this, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. Now, often we actually read the rest of that verse and spend our time there. But this is the part of the verse I want us to talk or focus on this morning. The righteousness of God has appeared, and that righteousness has been made known to us, and that righteousness comes through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. Faith in Jesus Christ through all who believe. This is the story of Christmas. This is, this is the, the beauty. This is why talking about a little baby that was born in a stable that in most cases no, nobody would care anything about. Because if he wasn't worth more than being born in a stable outside, he's probably worth nothing at all. This is why we still talk about this story. Because Paul goes on to say in chapter 5 that while we were still weak, while we were still in the category of either perishing outside the law or being judged by the law. Both are the same end result, by the way. But while we're both there, while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. And here we begin to unfold the true wonder of Christmas. For when God came, he was still God. He was still Lord. He still got to dictate the events of, of, of all that happened. And somehow what he dictated was that he was going to die at the right time for the ungodly. That's you and I. He was going to die. He was not going to come to rule and reign and live in power over them at that moment. He was coming to give up his life as a ransom for those people for the ungodly. Again, just a chapter later now, as we begin to identify, as we begin to receive the gift of Christmas, that is the faith that's given, that, that's, that's the, the promise that's given to us that faith in Jesus Christ is righteousness to us. We know that our old self was crucified with him. That's what happened to him. Was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Did we need a savior? Were we entrapped and enslaved to sin and to ourselves? And did Jesus come to set us free? That's, the, that's what I just read to us, that, that's available to us by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And then, of course, the caption, which is one we often include in the Romans Road, which we should all know, the wages of sin. 
The result of sin, the payment of our sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. And look at the phrase. The same phrase the angels use with the shepherds, right? The free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ, in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now, I have, at every step of the way during this series, have done a little kid's story, and I see no reason to change this morning, especially when I have the most exciting story that anybody could ever say to talk about. So children, you want to come forward again this morning? There should be room on the bench here to sit. This is a story I hope you know, but I'm going to tell you again because it's such an important story that I think you should hear it in the simplest, plainest terms I could possibly make. There's an excitement in the air. I'm sure you are aware of this. There's an anticipation. What's, when we come together to celebrate Christmas, keep on scooting over so there's room for all of you. You can sit on the floor. That's fine. Keep on scooting over. You're good. But give me your attention, please. That way I can tell you this story, which is a story that's been told hundreds and hundreds of times, but a story I want to make sure that you know today. Again, my goal is to tell you in the simplest way possible so you can understand it. And I hope you do understand it. I hope you have more than just understood it here, but you begin to understand it in your hearts. When God created people, he made them very special. And he made them to resemble him. He's, the Bible is clear that he made them in his image. And he wanted us to have a relationship with him. To be able to have, we call the word fellowship, but all that means is that we can be with God, that we can be close with God, that we can talk to him and he can talk to us. And there can be this, this closeness. But we know from reading the Bible and we know from looking at our own lives that this thing called sin gets in the way, doesn't it? When we make a mistake, when we do not obey God, when we do not do what we should do, when we have attitudes that we shouldn't have, when we throw fits or when we're selfish or when we want to get what we want to get, that is called us being in charge and no longer God being in charge. And then that separates us. It's okay. It's okay. I think it's turned off, so it's fine. When that happens, we can no longer have this closeness with God that he wants us to have. The excitement and the anticipation and the really fun part about Christmas, I know it's fun to get presents, but you know, that's just pointing to the gift that God gave us in Jesus Christ because we know the story, right? A little baby, you guys could all tell me the story. A little baby born in a manger and a baby who would grow up. You know, remember the very first Sunday when I sat up here and I had this bag of Hershey's Kisses? Were you here that Sunday? And I said, God came to be with us, but he didn't come like we expected. And this baby grew up, and he didn't do what was expected of him. He didn't come to be a king, but he came to be a savior. He came to save us. And the way he was saving us was by taking our punishment. I didn't even say that. The way he came to save us was to come to take your punishment that you deserve because of your sins. Jesus said, I will do that for you. He did that so that you would have a choice you could make. You could say, by trusting in Jesus, by putting my faith and my trust in him, I can have my sins forgiven, and I can have this relationship with God again, and I can be with him 
in heaven. Now, I want to just this morning, I know sometimes it's easier to think of things or to have lessons sink in when we have little things, little objects. So some of you may have seen this before. There's nothing, uh, just a little illustration for you to understand, okay? So if you've seen it, just, just help me out by paying attention. When we think about heaven, we think about where heaven, where, where, where do you guys think of when you think of heaven? Like point to where you think heaven is at. Can you point to where you think heaven's at? Yeah, we always say heaven is up, right? Because the heavens are up there. God made it possible for us to go to be with him in heaven. So when I think of up there, I think of things like airplanes. And I don't know if you've ever built a paper airplane or not. I'm going to make a really cheap, simple one right now. Have you guys ever made paper airplanes? You fly them around? No? You should learn how to make them. They're really fun. I'm going to make a really simple one this morning for you. So I made the just shell of it. I'm going to bend the wings down a little bit. Oops, I think I bent. There you go. I got to keep this on this side. Now, paper airplane. I'm struggling a little bit here with this side of this wing. Good thing I'm not an airplane engineer person guy who really makes airplanes because this is kind of a bad one. But this airplane flies, right? And it goes really high. So tell me, can I get to heaven if I get on an airplane and I fly really high in the sky? Is that going to get me up to heaven? No? It doesn't go high enough or what? You know what? I know what. I know what. I will turn my airplane into, tear the wings off, come down here. Let's see if I can get this to look somewhat correct. I will turn my airplane into a, well, that's kind of a bad one, a rocket ship. <laughs> because rockets go way higher than airplanes, right? Like outer space higher, like <laughs> way up there. Now can I get to heaven? If I, have, if I climb in my rocket ship and go to the highest, furthest galaxy. No, I still can't get there, can I? You know what? The story I already told you this morning is the story of how God himself came to be a little baby, to grow up into a man, to give his life on the cross so that we can go to heaven. And when I unfold this, I can help you see that the way to get to heaven is the cross of Jesus Christ. When he died on this cross, he shed his blood so that you can say, I believe in you, Jesus, and now I get to be in heaven. Not an airplane, not a rocket ship, but the cross of Christ. And I want you to think, I'm guessing between tonight and tomorrow sometime, you will be opening some presents. Am I right? I'm guessing you'll be unwrapping some gifts and you'll be super excited about it. I don't blame you. I like opening gifts to you. But I want you, as you do that, I want you to stop for a moment and I want you to think of the gift that God gave in a little baby. That's why you get to open gifts right now, by the way. Gift that God gave in a little baby to know that he was going to grow up and die a horrible death to take your punishment so that you can be in heaven with him. Do you think you can do that? In fact, it might even be okay for you as you begin to open a present today or tomorrow sometime to either think it or maybe whisper it or maybe even say it out loud. Thank you, God, for the best gift of all. His name is Jesus. You can go back to your seats.
let me recap for us from the Word of God so that you know that what I'm telling you this morning is not just something I'm making up or some good tradition or wives' tale or something that I'd like us all to believe to give us some kind of false hope, but that this comes from the pages of God's inspired Word. And in fact, the entire series, you'll hear pieces of the entire series of the Advent of Christ. I'm going to read to you from Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 9. And so from the day that we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. Hear these words, church. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything or in all things he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Let me jump over quickly to chapter 2 and read two more, three more verses for you. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. I ask you this morning, church of Jesus Christ, you who are gathered to worship, you are here on a Sunday morning. I ask you, have you received the gift of Jesus in your life? Have you understood that when God came to be with us, he came to be a savior to set you free from your sins? Have you received it? Have you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Is that, is that everything you have is you're going to lay out before him and say, I don't have anything to bring. It is simply to your cross that I cling and look to you. I tell you that is the only hope you have. That is the good news the angel announced to the shepherds. It's the good news I'm still announcing to you today. Wonderful, wonderful words that Paul wrote to this man named Titus. Wonderful words that he says the same thing in one short little phrase. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Aren't you so glad a baby was born? For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. But wait, this entire series, we have said we must see the advent of Jesus Christ, not just as something that happened back then, but something that is still coming. 
And do you know in these verses, if you would know the very next verses that I stopped just in front of, if you would know, then you would see that Paul tidied all those things up. He says the grace of God has appeared, past tense. It has appeared and it's bringing salvation for all people. It's training us to renounce ungodliness and to live godly, upright lives in this present age, right now, the time we're living in. It's, that's what the grace of God is. That's what Jesus came to do, the Savior of all mankind. But the very next verse immediately shifts our focus and we begin to look ahead because the very next verse says, it is training us to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. You see, the Savior came one time. The Savior's coming again. He came the first time bringing grace to us, making it come to us so that it can free us from our sin and train us to live godly, upright lives now while we are waiting for something. And what we're waiting for is his appearing. Same phrase, same title, the appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Lord is coming again. The Savior is coming again. I think we know this because I talked about it last week. But bear in mind, when he comes again, it will not be the quiet arrival of a little baby born in a stable. It will not be like that. Read the book of Revelation. I read the verses to you last night, or last, last week. When he comes, riding on a white horse, king of kings and lord of lords, behold, I come bringing my recompense with me, right? He is the one Peter told the, the Jewish people in the first century, he is the one that God has made to be both Lord and Savior of all and to be the judge of the living and the dead. The Savior is coming. We want the Savior to come. Here we are in the middle, looking back at the coming of the Savior and looking ahead to the coming of the Savior. How do we find ourselves? Where do we do, what do we do with this? I suggest to you that if we come back right to the story we read this morning, the story of the angel's visit to the shepherds, I suggest that the answer is contained and found right there. Do you know what happened? They said, let's go see. They went to go see. They told some people about it, and then life moved on. But what does it say about them? It says, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as they had been told them. Now, I think that is of the most practical advice that I could give you. And I'll tell you why I say that. Think a moment about these shepherds. I already said this once, at least I alluded to it, but think a moment about these shepherds. What do you know about them? Who were they? What were their names? Where did they go after this? Do you know any of that? We don't know any of that. You know, I don't know if you like hearing things like this, but the reality is for most of us, I don't know where you see yourself in the Christmas story, but the reality is for most of us, I think it's those guys. It's the shepherds. Because you know, I don't know if this is going to step on you a little bit, but you know that most of us are going to live and die and slip away in anonymity into the pages of history just like these shepherds. Who was that? Who was that person? What did he do after this event? What happened to him? 
Where did he go? You know, we're probably not the Marys or the Josephs. We're probably the shepherds in this story that God chose by his grace and mercy to reveal to us that Jesus has come and died for you, that he came to be the savior, that he came to set you free. I bring you good news of great joy. Today has been born in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. You have known that. You go and inspect and see that it's true, and I hope you have gone and inspected to see it's true, that Jesus indeed came to die for your sins, and that you will enter and you will receive that gift, and you will say, I place my faith in Jesus Christ. And then what will you do? I suggest that you return to your life glorifying and praising God for all that you've seen and heard. I suggest you move through the Christmas season doing exactly. I suggest you live your life that way, glorifying and praising God for all that you have seen and heard that he's doing. I hope that doesn't make you feel too insignificant. I think you should realize that from the perspective of humanity, I can say the line I just said, that we're all going to die and slip away in anonymity into the pages of history. But I also want to remind you that from God's perspective, you are of infinite significance. The Bible is very clear. Before you were even born, you were knit together and formed in the womb of your mother. Before you lived a single day, God knew every one of that you would live. He knows the number of those days. He knows the beginning and the end. You cannot go anywhere that God is not there. You can't go to the highest heights or the lowest lows. You can't flee from his presence. I suggest to you that in God's viewpoint, you're very significant. I would further suggest to you that in the end, weighed in the scales, you and I should care a whole lot more about whether God knows who we are than whether the pages of history know who we are. Therefore, it leaves us in this place where we can say, I will live my life glorifying and praising God for all I've seen and heard. Praise be to Jesus. He is the king. He's the savior. He's the one people should be going to see, not me. I'm going to point people there all the time to Jesus, not just the baby in a manger, not just the king on the cross who gave his life, but the coming king who will come to save us all, like ultimately save us all. God, thank you so much for this morning, the text, the story, but thank you more than anything for the reality, the truth in the pages of scripture. God, what a wonderful unbelievable, unfathomable gift you've given to us. Jesus Christ, Savior of the world. That I can enter into a place of being right with you by placing my faith in him. I can't achieve it any other way, God. Under the law, the law judges me. Outside the law, I die because I'm outside the law. I'm not going to win either way. Jesus, you have come light of the world, king of kings, lord of lords, you have come and humbled yourself and died for me and for us and for all of mankind. Thank you. May I, may we receive this season the gift you've given to us by putting our faith in Jesus Christ and may we endeavor to glorify and praise God for all that we have seen you do, all that we've heard, 
but the things that you're doing in our own hearts and lives leading us. We give you praise. We give you glory. We love you. We worship you. The Savior. The Lord. In Jesus' name we pray.